Welcome to Following Jesus, six Wednesday evenings once a month to practically help and inspire us in our relationship with God. Last time we, uh, together, we were together, we focused on identity. And uh, tonight we are going to be focusing on the importance of working out our faith as being part of a community. Every one of these evenings has three elements. Learn, stories, act. And tonight's going to be no different. First of all, we're going to learn something together. Then we're going to hear some stories that are going to inspire us and encourage us as we press on in our faith. And finally, we're going to put what we have learned into practice together. Each session is recorded. So if you are listening online, it's great to have you with us. Some of the resources that are available tonight, uh, uh, we're using tonight, are available to download from the website, including the worksheet, which all of you have in front of you. They're there for you to use and make notes and take away so that you can remember what God has spoken to you tonight. You know, following the right person is crucial, as following the wrong person can be disappointing. I remember uh, many years ago, uh, going to uh, a friend of mine uh, uh, had tickets to uh, go and see Leeds United play Portsmouth at Fratton Park. And um, his uh, got the tickets off a friend who was, who was the scout for Gillingham. And uh, so I thought we were just going, so I just turned up, rocked up in jeans, and uh, got to uh, Fratton Park, and uh, we found out that uh, actually we were in the director's box. And so when we, uh, when we got there, it was, uh, it was a bit embarrassing, so we, we get taken in, and they are clearly expecting the Gillingham scout and his friend, and they've got, they're all there in their suits and ties and whatever, and it was the most awkward, embarrassing, they're asking us, so... Um, so, you're the Gillingham Scout, are you? And I'm saying, no, 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 it's, it's not me. And, and, and we were sitting up in the stand behind the Leeds United uh, uh, players who, who, weren't, who weren't actually on the subs bench, but behind the uh, directors and whatever. It was just one of those excruciating evenings that I just wanted to end. And my friend said, oh, I just thought it would be okay. I just thought we were going to be in, in amongst the crowd, and we ended up in the worst place possible. It was really embarrassing. It was awkward. Who you follow is really important. And tonight, Jesus challenges, follow me. We want to make sure that he is the one we're following. And tonight, we're going to see how we can encounter God by ourselves as well as with others through community. Every week of following Jesus, we've been doing an interactive Bible study together. And tonight's going to be no different. We're going to see how through any Bible passage, we can encounter God and understand something more about what it means to be his people. So, here are the verses that we're going to be looking at tonight. They're from Ephesians chapter 4 and the first three verses. The last time we were together, we actually looked at some verses from Ephesians chapter 1. This is what they say. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Tonight, we're going to learn together how being part of a community is crucial if we're going to follow Jesus effectively. You remember, every time we've been together, uh, we've said that when we read a passage, the first thing that we want to ask ourselves is, what is it all about? And if we don't ask questions, um, there's every chance we're going to miss what God wants to say to us today. You see, we believe the Bible is God's inspired word, and that he speaks to us. Unfortunately, we live in a society which encourages individualism. So much so, we tend to interpret the Bible through that filter. Actually, the Bible is written to us all as God's people, and so it virtually always has a corporate application, which we will miss if we're not careful. God's desire is that we grow together in our faith. 
What is always a good question to ask ourselves when we read the Bible? Every time we're using the first letters of the word what as an acrostic to help us unpack the passage we're reading. And you can see this on the top of page three of your worksheet. What provokes us to ask questions? What was happening then? How are things different now? Apply the passage. How is this relevant to me? And today, I'm going to do something about it in response to what I've learned. So what was happening then? What was happening when Paul wrote this passage? It's easy to skim over the verses that we've just read and miss their real relevance to us as individuals and as a church. Actually, they contain wonderful truths that Paul wanted the Ephesian believers to hear. And they're hugely challenging for us today as well. And the impact can get lost in the mists of time, so we need a little bit of help. And I've suggested previously about, uh, if you don't have one, getting hold of a study Bible. And in a study Bible, at the beginning of every book, there's a little explanation of what's going on in the book. That's really helpful, a brief synopsis. Alternatively, a, a commentary of the relevant book can be helpful. And in this case, I'm going to recommend two that we've recommended before. Phil Moore's Straight to the Heart uh, of Galatians and Colossians. And that's really helpful. If you are not used to reading the Bible, that's a really helpful little book to help you read the Bible and understand a little bit more on a daily basis. The second is John Stott's commentary in the Bible Speaks Today series, which is a a little bit more of an in-depth study of the book and message of Galatians, uh, of Ephesians. The third recommendation uh, is one of my favorites. It's from Martin Lloyd-Jones's Ephesians series, Christian Unity. And it's, it's a detailed unpacking of the first 16 verses. It's really thorough, and it's from a great Bible teacher of yesteryear. And uh, I would encourage you, if you love studying the Bible, you'll find that really helpful. So what was happening then? So for a few moments, a few minutes, I want you to have a chat in groups of three or four about why you think Paul wrote those verses at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4. Ask yourselves one or two of the following questions. What do we know about the city and the church Paul was writing to? What are the first three chapters before that fourth chapter about? Why does Paul focus on theology before he starts focusing on behavior at the beginning of chapter 4? Why do you think Paul, a community is so important to Paul? Now, you may be daunted by those questions. Well, don't worry if you're not sure. But I really want to encourage you to get used to asking questions when you read the Bible. So those questions are there for you. Just have a little chat amongst yourselves about them. And uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not sure of it, the answers in your little groups, you're not sure of the answers to any of that, you just have a chat about what you think those verses are about. Three or four minutes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, draw, let's draw back together. So what was happening then? Well, here are a few of my thoughts. Um, You may have come up with very different uh, uh, conclusions, um, but these are some of my thoughts as I've uh, studied this, thought about this a little bit, but they're not exhaustive. So first of all, the the earliest manuscripts uh, uh, of the, the letter to the Ephesians doesn't include, actually doesn't include a reference to the place Ephesus. And some speculate it was written for the church in Ephesus, but it was expected to be circulated to other churches. Now I think that's uh, relevant because it, 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 it's important because it's relevant to all of us at any age, any place. There was stuff in here that was going to be helpful for all. 
Ephesus had all the social and moral problems of a thriving city of the day. It was steeped in religion. It was steeped in the occult. You've only got to read the, uh, uh, Acts chapter 19 to see uh, what was happening in the city. The pressure on the church to conform to the status quo and compromise would have been massive. The first half of, uh, of, of this letter to the Ephesians focuses on theology, who God is, what he's done, what it means. Paul reminds them what God has done to save them and of their identity in Christ. So the first bit before those verses we read are all about theology. Now Paul does that because he is convinced what we believe affects how we behave. And so he wants to ensure they're thinking correctly and rightly before he challenges them about getting their behavior in line with what they believe. The church in Ephesus is made up of people who were once far from God. If you read the beginning of chapter 2, they were steeped in the culture of the city. They are now a people who have come to believe the gospel and as a result should behave similar to one another. They've become a distinct community in the city of Ephesus. And so the themes coming out are that this letter is relevant to church in any age. Theology, what we believe about God, should shape our behavior. And godly community should stand out to reveal the power of the gospel. Now, how are things different now? Just take a few moments just to reflect on that yourself. Our society today, how are things different now? Are they? Are they the same? Are there similarities? Just have a little think about that for a second. Okay. How are things different now? Well, I, would, I want to suggest to you that the culture of where we live is not too different to first century Ephesus. Affluence and a moral bankruptcy mark our society. Individualism is rife and the resultant increase in the sense of isolation in our, uh, in our country lives people longing for a genuine experience of community. People out there longing for community. There's a disdain for absolutes. Everything is relative to how you feel. It leaves people really unclear about what they believe. And sadly, on occasions, that's impacted the church. The church is called to be distinct. Salt and light in the wider community. Yet churches that stand for moral absolutes often provoke a negative reaction. And so the challenge to remain true to the gospel and still be relevant is huge for us. We live in a society of political correctness, which requires tolerance of diversity. Yet even the government are now recognizing that unity has to be undergirded by, they're talking about British values in terms of society at, at large. However, unity in the church has to be undergirded by clear theological truths. And the days we living, live in are a real opportunity for the gospel. A real opportunity for the gospel. So, we need to apply the passage to ourselves. Let's have a go at doing that together. So, the first part... As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Interesting, that word then, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, uh, other translations use the word therefore. It links what happens before. It links the theology to the practical outworking that we're about to read. And I want to say to you, when you see a link word like that, always it should cause you to look back. What was happening before? What was going on before? So that's a link word. Secondly, the word worthy in there, live a life worthy of the calling. Now, if you pick up one of those commentaries, it will, some of them will tell you that worthy carries two senses. The first is a sense of equal weight or balancing like a set of scales. And it also carries the sense of, of becoming or matching. And, and by that it means wearing clothing that go together. So becoming clothing. 
so that it's not garish or clashing colors. And the point, when it says about live a life worthy of the calling, what it's saying is, are we in balance? We have our theology over here, what we believe about God and what God says about us, but is our behavior in balance with that? Or is it out of sync? Are we really clear about what we believe and yet our behavior is all over the shop? Live a life worthy. It's, it's about getting the balance right. Theology must be outworked. Paul then goes on and says, I urge you. It's an imperative. It's don't treat the grace of God lightly. Paul exhorts, reprimands, commands. There's no hint here of sit back and do nothing and it'll just work out. It's about actually we have to put some stuff into practice. And as we bathe in those glorious doctrines that are in the first part of the letter to the Ephesians, as we read about uh, salvation and the grace of God, it stirs within us, it should stir within us a desire to please him. And so the, the song of our heart should be that, uh, the song, uh, uh, you will remember the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. The last bit of that, it says, Love so amazing, so divine, divine demands my soul, my life, my all. The, the, the theology provokes a response of worship, of wanting to live for him. And finally, as you, you read those, the, that first bit of these verses, it talks about live a life worthy of the calling. And the, the word calling comes up, it's a, it's a Greek word. You'd read that in one of these uh, uh, commentaries that, uh, that I referred to. It, it's the word, the word is, uh, comes from the word called out, ecclesia, which we use for church, called out ones. We're called out of something into something else. We're called out of darkness into light, uh, Peter tells us. We're called out of something into something. And as a result, we have come into Christ and we are together one new man in Christ, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. We are now a new community. So, be completely humble and gentle. How do you live a life worthy? Well, here are the first two character qualities. Both are internal stuff. They have to be worked out in the context of community. Be completely humble. As we allow the wonder of what we read about our salvation to sink into our souls, we start to consider him who made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and who humbled himself. We were looking at that on Sunday morning here. About, we're looking at Philippians chapter 2. And so we need to weigh ourselves in the scales. On the one side, we remember his magnificent emptying himself of everything. He who was in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He did it for us who are unworthy. There was nothing attractive about us. And we need to then think about the counterbalance that. What is our attitude for us? If he did that for us, how do we relate to others? Are we in balance? Are we completely humble? You see, pride is the root of all disunity in community. What are we proud of? What are the sorts of things that you're proud of? What are the sorts of things? When you think, I'm really proud of that, I'm really glad, oh, maybe it's your education. Maybe it's your looks. Every morning you get up in the mirror and think, oh, I actually look okay. Look good this morning. Do you do that? You're not going to admit it, are you, if you do? Intelligence. Physical prowess. I go to, I, sometimes I get, I, before I go to bed, I, I stand in the mirror and I sort of try and flex one, see if there is anything there, see if there's a muscle there. Sometimes it's our children, what our children are doing. Sometimes it's our parents. Sometimes it's our education. And pride is stirred when someone touches our sacred cow and fails to show the respect we think we deserve. Humility is the antidote and requires us to know what God thinks and makes everything else irrelevant. 
When we know this, we consider others better than ourselves and put their needs first. Be completely humble. When it talks about gentle, be completely humble and gentle, the word gentle means strength under control. Remember the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. He wrestles at the Jabbok Brook in in Genesis chapter 32. And he's wrestling. He doesn't know he's wrestling with with God, with the angel of God. We think it's a pre-incarnate encounter with Jesus. And as he's wrestling, there's a moment. It's dark, and he doesn't know who he's wrestling with. And there's a moment where uh, uh, this person he's wrestling with wants to go, needs to go. And Jacob won't let him go. And in the Hebrew it says this person touches Jacob's hip. And Jacob's hip is put out. And the Hebrew is it's the lightest touch. Just the genocide. And in the moment, the lightest touch, his hip is put out. And, And what Jacob realized in that moment was this person had immense power but was holding it back, was being incredibly gentle with him. Gentleness means strength under control. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3 says of Jesus, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. All too easily, if we're not gentle, we can break bruised reeds and smoldering wicks we can put out. And sadly, churches are full of people who have been broken and damaged like that because people haven't been humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. These three qualities here are all about how we treat others. They're only relevant in the context of community. You see, patience is only outworked when there's someone you need to be patient with. If you're on your own, you don't need patience, do you? You're fine. You don't get impatient. I mean, I don't know about you. If you get impatient with yourself, maybe you need a bit more help. But, um, I, I, I mean, but community, when we're in community, there are always people who aggravate us, who irritate us. And for, unfortunately, we're never the ones that do the aggravating, are we? We're, it's always, always somebody else. When you feel impatient, before you do or say anything, remember the scales. Remember how patient God was with you. Remember how gracious he was and how he held back. Often I find when I'm really finding myself impatient and frustrated, I often find, I sense God's Spirit say to me, do you remember how I treated you back? And he reminds me of an incident. And I think, oh yeah. Yeah, you were very gracious and patient with me. It's the scales. Remember how patient God has been with you. God's patience means salvation, we're told in 2 Peter 3 verse 15. Bear with one another. Mutually tolerate one another. Put up with, endure, tolerate. How do you respond when people are annoying you? What's your response? You don't have to say because it will be on tape and it will be recorded for everybody to know if you shout it out. So how do you respond when people are annoying you? Do you retaliate? Does your mouth speak before you can shut your lips and it's out and it's said and you've said something? Do you get angry? Do you fume over something for ages? The Bible's full of encouragement. Don't retaliate. Be slow to speak. Be slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. Try to understand and see it from someone out the other perspective. Try to see it. Think about occasions when actually someone's been cross with you, but they didn't understand what was going on in your world. And then finally it says, bearing with one another in love, lovingly tolerate. Tolerate doesn't mean going, oh, well, I will tolerate them, and you roll your eyes and (sighs) lovingly tolerate. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Unity doesn't happen without effort. 
See, the, the point of this is make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You've already got it. As a community, we already have the unity of the Spirit. What Paul is saying, make every effort to keep it. It's great, isn't it? We've already got it. We've got to make every effort to keep it. Ah, we, the challenge is to protect what we have at all costs. Unity is based on theology, on what we believe. There can be no godly unity without the gospel. We believe the gospel. We believe what Jesus did for us on the cross. When we read the beginning bit of Ephesians, it's magnificent, and we believe it. There's a unity that comes through our theology. And there's a unity that's produced by the Holy Spirit. Each one of us are born again by the Holy Spirit. It starts within us and it works its way out. And we do, we keep the unity of the Spirit through peace. We have received peace from God. God has been magnificent in his peace towards us. He could have written us off. We deserve nothing less. But he has showed us peace. And so he wants us to be those who equally show his peace to others. Freely you have received, freely give, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 12. So, what am I going to do in response to this? Let me leave you with a, just a few challenges. Are you committed to the community God has placed you in here at Hope Church? Are you committed to the values, the same values, the grace of God being outworked amongst us. Word and spirit, a people of word and spirit, committed to the word of God and committed to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ-centered. Jesus is everything. Is he your everything? Are you long, do you long to worship? Do you live out of those values that are core to this community? Are you a giver? Are you committed? Are you, are you part of the membership here? Have you been baptized? Are you serving? Uh, have you become a member of a small group? Do you need to reassess what it means for you to be part of the community here at Hope Church? What changes do you know need to happen if you're going to follow Jesus more effectively? Are there relational breakdowns you need to put right? How can the community here in the church be better? Immediately you might think, oh, we could do this and we could do that. Well, what are you going to do to help make that happen? Because you are part of the family. Our response should be to take a passage like this and meditate on it, maybe journal what God's saying, pray over it, share it with others. Every time we read a passage of Scripture, we should be able to unpack it and draw some of these threads out. Whether you've got ten minutes or half an hour, we should be able to ask ourselves some questions and come out with at least one thing that God is saying to us as a community of his people. So here are a couple of resources that will help us grow in community. There's a preaching series here that... Uh, of, our, uh, of Ephesians. It was called Deeper. We did it back in 2014. That will really uh, help you and encourage you. Maybe you weren't part of the church, then go back and listen to it. Maybe you can refresh yourself of, uh, uh, over some of the things that are key to us going deeper. And the book I'm recommending is a short book, which all of us can read. It's by Tim Chester and Steve Timms. It's entitled Total Church. It's provoking about church and community. But I want to say to you, as in all books like this, we need to eat the meat and spit out the bones. So I'm not recommending everything in the book. I'm saying it's a good book to read to provoke us to think about community. And there are going to be links to those uh, from, uh, from the website. I'm going to ask Ange to come and introduce you Uh, to you a couple of people and we're going to share some stories. So I've got the privilege, you can come up Karina and Grace. 
Where's Grace? Oh, there you are. Yeah, do both come up. <laughs> I've got the privilege of just um, interviewing um, Karina and Grace. Um, this is Karina, who's just sat down, and Grace is just on her way. Um, both these ladies are kind of newish to church in the, kind of the last year or so. And um, we're just going to ask them a few questions about how they found um, community at Hope Church and getting to know us as a church and kind of settling in. So I'm going to start with Grace. Um, here's a microphone for you. It's, it should be on. So Grace, can you just tell us um, when you started coming to Hope Church and a bit of background about yourself? Um, hi guys, I'm Grace. Um, I started coming with my husband shortly after we got married. It was like the end of March last year, early April. It's about 10 months-ish. Okay, great. And where did you move from? Oh, I moved, I moved from Liverpool. So um, my husband Andrew and I, we got married up north um, I'd been li- my whole family had been living there over a decade, so I'd pretty much grown up in Liverpool. And um, we got married there, and Andrew works at Basingstoke, um, Hosp- Northampshire Hospital in Basingstoke. So after we got married, I moved from Liverpool. Great. And um, so what were your first impressions of kind of Hope Church and community here when you kind of turned up somewhere completely new for you, new city, um, new church? I can't remember if we moved on a weekend or just before the weekend and we had been googling churches in the area um, as you do so we googled a few churches and just went by google um, saw hope church on the like on google and i thought oh the, the church looks good online i'll listen to a sermon so i listened to a sermon by steve by um steve and I thought, oh, yeah, like, the word sounds pretty deep. Yeah, it sounds good here. So I told Andrew, and I was like, I think we should try Hope Church. And he was like, how far is it from the flat? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's not that far. So when we came on the Sunday, I was like, whoa, it's massive. Um, I don't know why it didn't seem that big online. I was like, wow, it's a really huge church. And initially, I was like, oh, gosh, it's a big church great like it's going to be hard to like meet people and like make friends like I don't know why I thought people wouldn't be friendly but in my head like all the friendly people live up north so I was like oh great <laughs> our southerners are quite friendly too <laughs> so um, I just initially thought it was really big but when we got here um, on the Sunday it was it was really chilled like the, the worship was great the word was great and I remember at the end I just looked at Andrew and I thought oh my gosh, like, we should stay here. Like, it's really cool, we should stay. And then we, we met Kevin and Ruth, and they introduced us to a few people, and then it kind of just went from there. Brilliant. So straight away, you kind of got introduced to a few people, kind of somebody kind of welcomed you into church on your kind of first weekend here. Mm-hmm. So what else um, helped you to kind of make friendships and feel part of a community? After that kind of initial, it's a great church, you've got introduced to a few people, what else helped you to feel part of a community here well that first Sunday actually like we spoke to loads of people like people were really really like approachable people came up to us asked us where we'd come from how we'd gotten to like be in Winchester um and you know because we'd already met um Kevin and Ruth they then introduced us to like other people like Craig um who was at the time like had a community group and stuff and we like really wanted to get involved so we found out more about our community group and it just kind of just went from there and like meeting just meeting loads of like different people and people were really approachable that was one thing that I I really liked people were really approachable and I know you've told me before Grace that um one particular lady you I think you prayed with after church one Sunday yeah. morning and she really went out of her way above and beyond what somebody normally would do on a Sunday could you just tell us a few stories of kind of how she went above and beyond to make yeah. you feel part of a community and yeah, so obviously because at the time we had started coming, we had been married for like two or three weeks and the whole thing was extremely overwhelming. And obviously I was in a new city, I didn't know anyone. I like, and just, you know, like meeting new people, you kind of have to be nice to them for a while before they like warm up to you. And um, the whole thing was really overwhelming and I had left my job up in Liverpool. I'd moved down here, so I'd started job hunting again. And... Um, there was a particular Sunday I was just feeling extremely overwhelmed so I came to the front and um, Kate Cascarini and Emma Perrett were both praying for me and I just started crying and it wasn't that I was sad or anything I was just so overwhelmed by just like being a new wife and being in a new place and um, Emma was like oh Grace I completely understand and I was like you do and she was like yeah I get it you're just really overwhelmed so like Emma took my number down 
And, um, you know, and she, she really helped me to settle in and she showed me a few places around. She took me to Southampton. There was a particular week, um, I think it was a couple of weeks after the whole prayer incident, Emma said to me, um, you know, if you ever need anything or you and Andrew, like, you need something, you need someone to come mm-hmm. around, just let me know. Don't, yeah. don't like, hesitate to text or call. Wow. I will be there. And I was like, I'm not going to text or call. Like, it's not that serious. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I had, like, a really bad toothache. And I, um, I Googled, like, where the nearest dentist to me was. And um, it wasn't too far, but I wasn't that, because I was still quite new to the area. I didn't really know the bus routes and everything, and Andrew would have been at work. And so I texted Emma, like, in the night, and I was like, I've got a really bad toothache. I know where the dentist is, and I've contacted them, and I've got an appointment for tomorrow. And I'm really sorry that it's such short notice, but would you be able to take me? And um, Emma texted me back straight away and was like, what time is your dentist appointment? I will come for you whenever it is. Just let me know. And she came, she got me. Um, she took me to the to the dentist, and then like I had to get prescriptions. She took me to get my prescription, and she just like stayed with me for a while. And she was like, you know, like I won't leave until you feel better. Like just you know, like whenever you feel good enough, like then I'll go. So that was that was a really overwhelming moment because at the time I was in a lot of pain, and I just needed someone to be there for me while my husband was at work and Emma was there for me. So um, yeah. Great, thanks, Grace. That's brilliant. Good story. Just of Emma just kind of going above and beyond, really. Just a normal hello on a Sunday or a little prayer, but actually going beyond that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And again, it helps you to be full part of a community and get to know people. Karina. This is Karina. Karina's married to Ben, and she um, has a couple of children and expecting another one very soon. Um, Karina, again, can you tell us when you started coming to Hope Church? Yeah, we started coming um, a little over a year ago, I think. Um, we were living in Odium, just on the other side of Basingstoke, and um, we were considering moving house to Winchester. And we thought, before we start looking at houses, let's be self-disciplined and look at churches first. <laughs> so um, that's what we did. And we had a sort of a plan of all the churches we'd visit. And um, we came to Home Church and Hope Church and never went anywhere else, really. <laughs> And, and again, for you, what are your first impressions of community here at Hope Church? Obviously, moving city, again, moving church. What are your first impressions of coming along on a Sunday? We both really loved it quite instantly. Um, me for more superficial reasons than Ben. I was really impressed with the website and the house style. <laughs> I thought, this looks good. and <laughs> um, just felt um, at home. in the. It's very similar to the church I grew up in in Holland. Um, so I really liked that. And... Um, the first Sunday morning meeting we were at, we both really felt um, the, yeah, the presence of God really in, in worship and um, felt there was powerful teaching and just thought God is here and these people seem to really genuinely be um, worshipping and longing for more of him, which really attracted us. Great. So again, for you, what helped then you to make friendships and feel part of a, of a community after that first initial kind of weekend of enjoying church and... Yeah. Um, we were really impressed, actually, with the hospitality of the church, both the, the official welcome team as well as just the normal <laughs> church members. Um, I think very early on, before we had committed to anything, Kevin and Ruth really uh, made a very um, yeah, impressive effort to help us wow. find um, the people and the activities in church that uh, would be good for us. Um, so that, was, that really helped, I think, the way the... The welcome team is um, run is really really effective, um, and also very quickly we we just felt that people were um, making an effort to get to know us even before we actually found a house. People were saying, "Oh, we can help you um, with your house move or stuff like that." So yeah, yeah. And I know you mentioned a few people kind of really helped you out in practical ways and things, and people like Joe and Paul mm. and yeah, people that live near you as well as community group. Yeah, yeah. I think after we moved. Um, there were a few occasions where I felt um, this real unity, um, how unique it is really to be part of a church because there is this instant unity that you just don't feel the same with um, people who don't know Jesus. So one example was we, we had only just started to get to know uh, Joe and Paul McGrath and I was having a really bad time with morning sickness yeah. and um, just needed some help. Uh, and I, I texted her and asked her for help and she just instantly was so generous to offer and um, 
yeah, that kind of continued. <laughs> um, and I think, it, yeah, it made a real um, difference to our beginning year, just knowing that there are people around who, um, who want you to be part of them and, and actively help you. That's so great. And lastly, is there anything that you would have appreciated or made it easier to feel part of a community? Um, is there anything you feel like you're going to, yeah, would appreciate or do more? I think as a family, we really love spending time with others, both young families as well as singles and older people. And um, I, th- I thought really hard when you asked me that question over email. I think the one thing I would say is we sometimes feel a little bit like there's a group of young families and there's a group of retired people and a group of students um, and they don't necessarily mix very much. Um, and I think we would really love to mix more. <laughs> Brilliant. And so community, that's, that's family, isn't it? Yeah. It's when you do family life with different ages, different stages of life, single, married, children, yeah. not children, and yeah. you're doing life together. Yeah. yeah. We are very aware that it's really intimidating to invite a family with young children <laughs> around. <laughs> so, but we're happy to have you around. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, maybe we could, yeah. It's good to know, isn't it, what we could maybe do a bit better, especially maybe when some of us have been at a church a long time and, and not, you know, feel like we know quite a lot of people. Um, just as Karina and Grace were just sharing, I just thought there was a few things that they both kind of mentioned um, just as we were talking about community. Um, one was, for them, it was being introduced to people in the first kind of Sunday, the first few weeks of church, being part of a community group, and also people going out their way to bless them, whether that's practically um, taking them to the dentist, a cup of tea, showing them a shop start, just practically going above and beyond, you know, with a phone number. And, um, and that's all helped them to get to know, you know, and be part of a community here. And just as they were sharing, I think my challenge for me was actually just thinking about, you know, maybe in the last month, who have I gone out of my way to chat to on a Sunday morning? Who have I gone out of my way to bless in the last month? Or maybe give my phone number to who, who I don't really know, or maybe a newish in church. And actually, it's a real challenge for me. And, you know, you might go away with a different challenge. But I just want to encourage you just to take on board maybe some of the stuff they said. Maybe invite Karina and her family around for dinner, or Grace, or me. I'd love a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and um, brilliant and let's do community Steve thanks Karina thanks Grace brilliant. okay we're going to take a two minute break so if you need it's 18 months that I spent thinking about it and praying about it Um, I spent a very long time talking with Henrik and Carol about it and uh, working out um, how it might work, what might work, what what if this happened and what if that happened and what various solutions could be. So we spent a long, long time uh, talking about that. And as we did, and over that time, I had this it, was, it, it probably happened really gradually, but I noticed it all of a sudden, really, that suddenly I had this um, deep peace inside me. It was like a, a core of me had really settled with, this is okay, this is exactly what needs to be done. Um, and when I got to that point, I realised that, yeah, this is, this is what needs to, needs to happen. So I felt quite good then, because I had this real peace about it. So working it through with church family, it actually brought you to a, a, a place. Yeah, of, they were really good. Henrik and Carol were really good too. They didn't, they didn't ever tell me what they thought, although sometimes I really wanted them to. Um, <laughs> they were just very good at challenging me and praying for me and just being really good friends. Mm, that's great. So you'd made a, a decision in yourself, in your own heart. So what, what happened next? Uh, well, I spoke with Martin Nolan about whether it was practically possible, whether it was feasible. So Martin's um, a builder in yeah, the Yeah, Martin church. here in the church, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a builder and he, his, he was great. Um, and we talked about it and where I could get plans drawn up and what they might, might look like. So um, when I had all of those ideas, I went and spoke to my parents and my, sister, my sisters um, to put the idea to them. So what was their response when you, when you dropped the idea? <laughs> drop the bomb they were quite surprised um i think shocked is probably a good idea a good word um they i don't think they really realized how much i had been bothered by the situations i don't think they realized how much i'd been thinking about it and praying about it um so they were a bit they were a bit shocked really um that i had 
obviously taken it away and spent so long thinking about it and praying about it um, and that the solution that I could see was so big. Um, so I suggested that they spent a few months thinking about it um, because I'd spent ages doing that, so I thought they probably needed the same sort of time. Okay. And after a few months? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, we decided, they decided, we decided that, again, it was, it was a good idea, it was the thing to do, so... So you felt it was the right thing, they felt it was the right thing? Yeah, they had lots of questions, but because I'd been through all that process and, uh, and I had kind of thought about the questions and the situations that they were talking about, um, I had the answers to what they were going to say, and that was part of how Henrik, my relationship with Henrik and Carol had really helped. Right. So it was all systems to go then? Yeah, <laughs> for a while. Um, it, it was. I'd, we got some plans drawn up, we submitted them to the council, and um, I don't think the council really understood um, what my vision was and what my intention was, um, because the first set of planning permission that they refused. Oh. So, yeah, and I was okay. quite, I was really upset at that point because there'd been all this stuff that had happened, and I thought I'd found a solution, and then someone else was saying no. So that was quite hard. Yeah, that must have been... I mean, something you felt God was in and then mm. suddenly it comes to a halt. That, that's quite a, a difficult time to work through. So, so what did you do? Um, well, I worried about it. <laughs> and, you should uh, praying, actually. I've heard that <laughs> well, works. Yeah. Um, but then um, I was talking to Annie one Sunday morning and she asked me how I was. And there were two answers to that question. The first answer was fine. Um, and the second answer was the honest one. And I chose to be honest that day. Um, and I, to I told her that my week had actually been quite difficult and quite frustrating. Um, and I told her what had happened and how I didn't really think it needed to have been quite as difficult as it had been. And she suggested that I come round and speak with Steve because um, his expertise and his skills in planning would uh, potentially be really helpful. So I did. And um, I went round and we spent an evening discussing the problems and the solutions um, and what the plan could be. Um, and then a bit later on, um, we spent hours rewriting the application and the letters. And I learned a, I went on a big learning curve about how planning officers think, what kind of language they use, what would be useful, what wouldn't be useful, you know, even to the, the folding of the, the paper in the envelope so that when they took it all out the envelope, it was exactly as they wanted it to be. It was, it was really great. The attention to detail was huge. Um, and it really, really helped. So I began to feel a bit better then. So that was amazing. So, so that really wasn't what you expected? No, it wasn't no. at all. But, uh, and I... And I I know because from when we talked before that, that uh, Steve wasn't your only source of help. No, no, no he wasn't. Um, there was Ian as well, um, Ian Johnson. Um, he gave me hours of his time uh, with regards to finance and mortgages and all of that business. He did loads of research. He would come round armed with folders of, um, of bits and pieces all stapled together and highlighted and everything. Um, and he came to some interviews at the bank with me um, and was able to translate all that bank jargon into English and <laughs> explain to me exactly what it meant. Um, and actually, the woman at the bank, she ended up being quite um, personable and quite friendly. So as we'd got chatting, I hadn't introduced Ian in the sense of what kind of job he did. And it gradually became apparent throughout the meeting that, um, that he knew quite a lot um, and she rumbled him. And um, then, then the question arose about how, how we knew each other. And, and as I talked about the project, I talked about Henrik and Carol and Steve and Martin and, and, and Ian and how everybody had helped. And she asked me if I had all my friends' husbands lined up ready to help me. <laughs> so I said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and she asked how we all knew each other. And it was the same weekend that Hope Church launched its new name and, and, uh, and became a new church here. So there were purple balloons up and down the high street, things, yeah, it was quite obvious what was going on. And she'd seen a few of those things too. So when I explained that we all came to the same church, um, that was a really good opportunity to talk about where we were and what we did and what we believed. And um, we've exchanged a few emails since, mostly about the project and things, but there have been some other things too. 
that she said, and I think it's probably changed her perception of church. Mm. I think she, Brilliant. you know, she, I don't think she realised it was quite as lively and active and supportive as it as it really is. Mm. That's great. So uh, you maybe see her at your housewarming. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gathering from all that 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 you did get planning permission after yeah. all this. Yeah, we did. So all the folding of the paper worked. They were obviously <laughs> pleased with what they saw finally. Um, yeah, we did. It came through when I was on holiday. My mum had texted me and said that it was, it was all there. And I texted t- uh, Steve to find out um, if that was true. And, um, and, you know, and if I'd understood it, it right. And I was really... I was really touched that he, he hadn't needed reminding of the date. He'd already looked. I think he knew the exact minute it had been posted online. Um, and he was able to tell me a few bits of the detail that went with that. So when I was away on holiday, I felt quite reassured that it was okay. Um, and then very quickly afterwards, I got a text from Martin asking if he could come round with his digger and dig up the driveway. But he couldn't because my car was on it and my keys were with me. <laughs> So he was a bit frustrated that he had to wait at least a week before he started. But again, that was, I was really encouraged that they'd remembered and that they'd taken the time to let me know that they'd remembered. So give us a quick update. Where, where have you got to now? Well, it's really dusty. <laughs> um, it's almost finished. Um, wow. planning, uh, the building started, I think, the day after I got back from holiday. And... Um, and, and has been going on ever since, really. And it's nearly finished, and it looks really, really good. That's I'm really great. pleased. That's great. So how would you summarise, just looking back over your experience, how would you summarise your experience of community in working this big thing in your life out? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, felt a bit, it feels a bit like I've had family that haven't been my family, um, it's made me quite realise quite how how valuable friendships are and how valuable relationships within the church are. You know the kind of support and the help that I've had from from those guys and just the hours and hours that they gave me. You know um, everyone's really busy. You know and everybody had really busy jobs. Every, nobody was free till an evening after a really busy day, but it didn't matter. Everybody gave me the time that I needed. Um, They answered questions, no matter how big or how small they were. Um, And it just made me realise how loved I am. Isn't that brilliant? That's that's, that's fantastic. We'll probably all draw different things from that. That's not an advert for the amazing services that are available (laughs) in this church, although I'm sure that's true. That's an advert for love, practically worked out. I think, I mean, and you can see that it's real. You can see it's felt. That's, uh, that's also love that's worked out in practice, uh, but it's also a love that actually impacts outside. Uh, you know, it, it's apparent to other people outside the church that real love is taking place here. And uh, I just encourage you to think on that. There's some great aspects to that story. You never know what will happen when you say to somebody, how are you? (laughs) And you never know what might happen if when somebody asks you how you are, you tell them the truth. So uh, have a think about that for this Sunday. But great, thanks very much for sharing that, Vicky. Okay, we are now going to put what we've learned into practice together. I want you to remember, community is all about people. First of all, I want you to get into twos and threes, threes max, twos would be ideal, but if it needs to be threes, get into twos or threes with people you don't know that well, or maybe you don't know at all. So can you do that right now? Twos or threes? Twos ideally, three if it has to be. So I'm going to give you literally a minute to do it. So you need to be quick with someone you don't know or you don't know that well. Okay. How are we doing? 
Okay. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to take five minutes telling the other person about yourself and you're going to need to carefully listen to each other. Just talking about what life is like for you, what's happening at the moment, maybe some things that you need answers to prayer for. Because at the end, we're going to ask you to pray for each other. You see, tonight is all about following Jesus. Jesus modeled community with his disciples, and it often involved food. Okay? Sadly, I want to say to this, and I've planned this night for a long time, and nobody really knew much about it until yesterday and today in the office. So, um, and it's deliberate. Because sadly, most of us have lost the art of hospitality. Instead, we focus on entertaining. Hours preparing in the kitchen, everything being just so, the table laid, the house tidy, everybody's on their best behavior, and nobody lets their guard down. Jesus was into hospitality, not entertaining. In John 21, Jesus and his disciples just eat fish on the beach that they cooked there and then that they've just caught. When Jesus fed 5,000, he used what they already had. We focus too much on entertaining. Not enough effort goes into people or relationships. And so tonight we're going to model something. It's a bit quirky. And in room one, where the wall has just disappeared, uh, we have some cheese and tomato pizza and fruit juice. Okay? So why don't you, in a second get a slice of pizza and a drink and spend 10 minutes finding out about each other. If you don't like pizza and you can't, or you can't eat pizza or you don't like cheese and tomato pizza or there's not enough pizza, <laughs> remember it's not about the pizza, it's about the people. There's no white tablecloths, there's no glasses and proper plates because it's about being hospitable, not entertaining. So why don't you, in this moment, go and get a slice of pizza and a drink and spend 10 minutes getting to know the other person, find out what you can pray for them about. Okay? 10 minutes. Why don't you do that? Okay. We're going to draw to a close in a moment and uh, if you want to carry on praying just for a few minutes afterwards you can what I want to say to you is what we have just done together you could do yourself or as a community group you can take a verse, a passage a psalm and in 10 minutes 15 minutes draw out some of the wonderful things that God says about us being a community through his word It's hard to build strong, vibrant communities in the world we live in. And if we're going to do this, we're going to have to be intentional. We need to know what the Bible says about the family God has brought us into. We we need to love theology. And then we need to apply it to our relationships. We need to go out of our way to treat people uh, as God treated us. We need to be humble putting others' needs before our own, be gentle, patient, tolerant, and loving. Remember how God treated you. Work hard at keeping the unity we already have in Christ. You could usefully take some of what we've been thinking about tonight and over a week or two, stir yourselves up in your community group. How can we be a better community? I want to encourage you, as part of acting later, What we can do as a follow-up, follow up with the person or people you were talking tonight. Keep praying for them over these next couple of weeks. Ask them how things have gone the next time you see them. This is about community. I want you to, just for a moment, think, what are you going to take away with you tonight? What have you learned tonight that you're going to take away? Just take a moment to reflect And then write down on your worksheets what you're going to do.
Whatever it is, Jesus wants to provoke us to follow him. He wants us to be those who love community.